0: Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, we look back at a very, very difficult loss in Portland to the Trailblazers. A tough stretch ahead for the Bucks. Can they salvage this five-game road trip? We'll take a look at what's up next. We've touched on a rough month of January that finally came to an end. Just how bad was it for the Bucks? We'll dive into the numbers and where they lost the ground that they did. And finally, some more trade chatter as we are less than a week away from the NBA trade deadline, we'll get into the latest coming up on the very latest Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network, and we do thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, also viewable on YouTube as some of you are joining us now on the live stream, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked on Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your best bet of $5 or more wins, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So Camille and Frank had the postgame um, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, following a very, very rough go against the Portland Trailblazers. Two very uninspiring games that you've played against the Blazers so far this season, obviously needing to come back from 26 points in the win at Fiserv Forum. And now this one, where, look, we kind of talked about this going into the road trip. You knew it was going to be an emotional game for Damian Lillard. You you knew there was going to be something there. And Doc Rivers talked about this after the game as well. I'll get to some of those comments. Uh, But I think all of us were kind of curious to see, how does Damian Lillard balance? How does, how does Damian Miller approach this With his being, his return to Portland to take on those trailblazers that he played for, for 11 years, the oddities of his, as, as Dame told us before the game, he had a press conference in the room where the coaches speak, talking about the, the weirdness and the feelings of walking into that building as a visitor and almost, Walking past the visiting locker room and going directly to the home locker room and some of those strange things. And it wasn't a great game for uh, for Damian Lillard. It has been a rough month, or I should say was a rough month in terms of his shooting and efficiency in the month of January for Dame. And that really, and I'm not pinning the Buck struggles on Damian Lillard in January because it was much more than that, but... It boils down largely to that, is you know, as we've talked about quite a bit this season, you've made the flip to be an offensive team. You kind of viewed things and said, look, as elite as we were defensively, we still had quite a bit of troubles scoring in the half court in the postseason for the last five years. And that's despite winning an NBA championship or in spite of winning an NBA championship. So you made the bet on your offense and knew that was going to sacrifice. Uh, Some of your defense, has it sacrificed more than you anticipated? Maybe, Uh, um, but I don't think anybody anticipated your defense was going to be a top five defense this season with the changes that you made. Everybody's going to point to swapping out Drew Holiday for Damian Lillard, but it goes beyond that. You think about Wesley Matthews, who was playing heavy minutes for you last year, and, and that tandem of Wesley Matthews and Drew Holiday, while limited offensively, they gave you quite a bit of defense. Uh, Javon Carter as everybody has kind of longed for him as well as we're moving closer to the trade deadline. And that I suppose is an interesting name to keep an eye on, but what Javon Carter brought to you. And you think about the way that this team was playing defense early in the system, early in the season, the system that they were running, it seemed like that would have been a perfect fit for Javon Carter, who was going to be that point of attack defender, pressuring ball handlers, uh, picking up full court. As well, all of these things seemingly would fit right into the system that you were initially running. That system is going to change. We've seen subtle changes, but I don't think we can jump to broad conclusions just yet. And that's the frustrating part, and I know that for months, we have on this show, on the radio broadcast, on shows that I do on WTMJ as well, we've, we've preached patience, and this is going to take time. And I get you're all tired of doing that because we're past the midpoint of the season. We're six days away from the trade deadline. We're two weeks away from the All-Star break. So just how much time do I have to give this? Again, there is no perfect comp for any of this, but I keep going back to 2021. It wasn't until that final game before the All-Star break, and you've probably heard me mention this a lot, but it wasn't until that final break before the All- the final game before the All-Star break where it started to feel better. And it started to feel like things were falling into place. And and just the optics looked like you were getting there. Of course, it helped that Drew Holiday hit that game winner in the closing seconds. In that game, your final one before the break, the win against the Memphis Grizzlies, you came out of the break and you won seven straight games. So a total of eight. But that is how long it took with a roster that was 50% new coming into the season. 50% of your players were new. And again, it's it. there's so much to that where it's not just your teammates learning that player. And in this case, it's Damian Lillard. It's not just that. And Malik Beasley, throw him in there as well. 40% of your roster, your starting five is new. But it's those individual players learning everything about every single player on the team and where they like to get the ball, how they run sets, all of that stuff. That's part of why this takes time. And especially defensively, with the shortcomings that you have and how you compensate for that. And and look, the way that this team has played of, or at least we anticipate they're going to play with more switching. Doc Rivers talked about this after that first game in Denver. He really liked the way that they were scramming on some of their pick and rolls and, and the way that they were playing defense. But that, as he pointed to, is it kind of surprised me how 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 well we did that because that's something that takes time and you have to do it more and more, just like the conversations we had about zone earlier this season and last season when bud started implementing that a little bit and especially switching that that is really something that takes time because a lot of times you know people think well you can just switch and we'll make the defense better you still have to be connected and you have to know when i rotate here this this guy next to me he's rotating there and, and it has to be done in unison and that takes time and reps, and that's kind of where this team is at. So I understand the pushback and the frustration of you, you've you told us this is going to take time. We've given you time. It's been a lot of time, and we're not seeing it. But it's it's going to take time, as, as much as you may not want to hear that. And I think Doc kind of alluded to that as well after that game in Portland. But look, I I don't lump in the Portland game, if we're being honest and fair. I don't lump that in with the it's it's going to take time. That was not a good performance, top to bottom for the most part. I did not think Giannis had a great game. I know the stats will show he had twenty-seven or twenty-seven points, eight rebounds. I think it was relatively efficient shooting, but you look back to the turnovers and the way they started the fourth quarter, especially, you know, for what four minutes into that fourth quarter, you had more turnovers than you had field goal attempts. It was amazing that the Bucks even had a chance to win that game at the end. You were fortunate that Portland treated the first few minutes of the quarter the same way. Otherwise, uh, against, and and not to discredit the Blazers, against the better team and against a team that's protecting the ball, it's a 20-point game a couple of minutes into the fourth quarter, and then it's it's over. So there was top to bottom not a lot to be desired in terms of the individual performances you had. I thought Chris Middleton played pretty well. That might have been it. Really, so this was not just the hey they're learning each other. I'm sure there's minor parts to that, but that game in Portland was one that you would point to and say, man, top to bottom, they're just there wasn't a lot to like. And I don't know how much of this was just it's a new coach and it's you know the guys are learning all that. I don't think that was a big part of it. So that's the area you would point to and say it has to get better. Saturday in Dallas, if for no other reason than. I don't know that it was confusion and scheme and all of the let's learn doc rivers. I don't think that was what you saw in Portland. Part of it is as we kind of touched on the emotions of Damon his return to Portland and just how strange that is. And doc said this after the game as well of, you know, I've been through a couple of these instances when you think about maybe the most bizarre one, he was not this one, but he was with Kevin Garnett when he went back to uh, Minnesota and he was coaching Patrick Ewing. When remembered Patrick Ewing on the Orlando Magic, when Patrick Ewing went back to Madison Square Garden. That uh, those two, the comps to what you would see with Damian Lillard. But as Doc pointed out too, you know, I, I don't have the numbers to back this up in front of me. But more often than not, the home team wins these games when you have the star returning, whether it was leaving via free agency or a trade in the off season or, or at any point more often than not the home team wins those games because you know you you kind of you the fans are into it they they came to see the returning player but you also want to send a message to the fans and to that player of better off without you essentially and and I don't know how much of that is what we saw on Wednesday night but there was a lot of things that we did see that we did not like and that's really what needs to change when you move into Dallas for the rest of a very, very tough road trip in front of the Bucks. So uh, Camille and Frank, again, did a great job of breaking down everything that we saw in that game against the Portland Trail Blazers and talked a little bit about what's in front of the Bucks. So I do want to spend some time on that in the three games left on this road trip because, again, you can't take your opponents for granted and you cannot take them lightly. But that was a game that I'm sure externally you had circled on this five-game road trip of, we can get this. Let's get one or two others of those remaining four, and we feel pretty good about the road trip. You played Denver tough. You, you left that game very encouraged about what you saw, and then it was just deflating to see the way that you played in Portland on Wednesday night. So now it's it's three very difficult games that you're going to have to bounce back from and do so very, very quickly here to salvage an, an incredibly difficult road trip that sits in front of the Bucs. We'll take a look at that and unfortunately take a look back at some very, very ugly numbers from the month of January uh, as as we dive into where the Bucks lost the ground that they did in the Eastern Conference because we are unfortunately starting to see some separation now at the top of the conference. We'll take a look at that coming up after the break on Locked on Bucks. And before we do get to that, we should remind you, it's that time of year. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's all about finding the best seat on the couch. You grab your favorite snacks, whatever it is you get into, lay down some bets as well for the big game. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to do that and end the season with a W or two or three and so on. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown. How many points will be scored? How long will the national anthem be? You name it, you, anything you can think of in terms of those, FanDuel has it for you. New customers who join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the NFL. And as you're viewing us today on Locked On Bucks, also be aware that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today its here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with all the local experts You've come to know and expect from Locked On, plus all of our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. January comes to an end for the Bucs, and it could not come soon enough. 16 games played, and the Bucs go 8-8. Eight and eight. So the good news is the Philadelphia 76ers play 14 games they also finished 500 at seven and seven now they had some injury issues that they, that they can point to but for the longest time it was the Celtics the Bucks and the sixers neck and neck trying to see who can jump up into that mix and challenge the Boston Celtics in the month of January both of those teams took a big step backward even bigger for the 76ers who as of this live taping here we don't have an update just yet but You have to assume those injury issues that I mentioned and alluded to, those are going to continue to drag out here we still don't know what the latest is on Joel Embiid and how long you can expect him to be sidelined. I'm not even going to speculate. I'm just assuming we won't see Joel Embiid for at least a couple of games. But in the month of January, I think this is no surprise that this would match the eye test for most Bucs fans. The numbers were not pretty for our Bucs. Again, an 8-8 eight and eight record. Offensively, the Bucs offense slid out of the top 10. This is one of the best offenses in the league for a large portion of this season. They have been number two behind only the Indiana Pacers. But in January, in those 16 games, the Bucs had an offensive rating of 118.1, which on the surface would be a very good offense. But we saw offense climb for a lot of teams in this month. Uh, You had the Celtics growing. The the Pelicans, who the Bucs beat, saw theirs boost. The Phoenix Suns, who may be the comp to the Bucs in terms of all the change that they've gone through, how that roster is really top-loaded. and The fact that Phoenix is doing what the Bucs are hoping to do now, it seems like that group is learning how to play together and looking much better. Phoenix finished with a top-five offense. But the story for the month of January and how things have become interesting for the Bucks and the 76ers is the play of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. So those two teams finished January with the 4th and 6th rated offenses, respectively. 121.3 in the month of January for the Cavs, 120.2 for the Knicks. Both of those Two and three points per one hundred possessions better than the bucks. So you look at the offense of those teams and say, "Okay, they took a step forward. What about the defense? Well, the defense for those two teams was beyond elite, if that's even possible. a one oh four point four rating for the Knicks, who have been incredible. These numbers are basically since the OG Ananobi acquisition, and you're seeing it pay big dividends for New York. One oh four point four defensive rating. Far and away, tops in the league for the month of January. The Cavaliers finished at one hundred six point one, second best in the league, and nearly four points per one hundred possessions better than the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were third. So these two teams played defense on a whole nother level than any other team in the month of January. And when you look at it, the Bucks lost six games in the standings to the Knicks in January. Uh, They lost, what, four in the month of January to the Cavaliers. You treaded water with the 76ers, but you gave up a whole lot of ground to those two teams, and you lost three games in the standings to the Boston Celtics as well. So the fortunate part is that the Bucs do have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Knicks by way of, their wins earlier this season. But now you open up February, Knicks won last night, by the way, you open up February with the New York Knicks, a half game behind the Bucs for the second-best record in the Eastern Conference. And you look at how things have started to plateau now. I mentioned that at the top, that for the longest time, you had the Celtics at the top, a little bit of a gap. Then you had the Bucs and the Sixers kind of jockeying for position to see, okay, it's it's two or three games roughly separating these teams. Who's going to jump up and challenge the Celtics when they go through a rough spell? And we've seen the Knicks and Cavs be those teams that are jumping up while the Bucs and the Sixers went through a rough spell. It's basically five games is what you're looking at, four games. I beg your pardon, separating the Bucs and the Celtics. Now, when you were just one game behind, At one point, a half game, I believe, was the lowest that the Bucs had knocked it down to. Now it's four games in the loss column. You've lost 16. Celtics have lost 12. But look at all those teams, basically two through five. That's the troubling part, is mentioning patience. And this is going to take time to figure it out. The concerning part, I think, for every single Bucs fan, is looking behind you in the standings and seeing just how jumbled up it is now. You have 16 losses. The Knicks have 17 losses. The Cavs have 16 losses. The Sixers have 17 losses. So two through five is separated by one game in the loss column. You're four and a half games back. Knicks are five games back. Cavs are five and a half games back. Sixers are six games back. And I think the, the interesting thing to keep an eye on is that Joel Embiid Uh, Injury and and what that means, because the Knicks and um, the Cavaliers have showed no signs of slowing down. Bucks are in the midst of a very, very difficult stretch right now of scheduling. And that in turn has helped when we point ahead to here's what the Bucks have left in terms of their schedule. Remember, it was number one, most difficult schedule remaining. Well, the good news is it's dropped down to six. Bad news is you're still hovering around one of the five most difficult schedules remaining in the league. The Celtics have the second easiest schedule left. The Miami Heats have the third easiest. The, the Pacers, their fourth easiest. Pacers have the third easiest. Cavs are in the bottom 10 as well in terms of easiest remaining schedule. And the Knicks and the 76ers are in the middle of the pack. So by a wide margin, the Bucs have the toughest road ahead of any of those teams that we have pointed to. And again, with the difficulty of that schedule remaining with understanding, there is still going to be some growing pains. You've put yourself in the unfortunate spot now where you don't have a very, very large margin for error because of the way those teams have played. And who knows if the Knicks are done, who knows if the Cavaliers are done in terms of moves that they make in the next six days leading into the trade deadline. But if you're the Bucs, you absolutely do not want to slide lower than third, especially, and we're getting very, very far ahead of ourselves. I don't want to put the cart ahead in front of the horse. Especially with the possibility of Joel Embiid, and again, I'm I'm not going to speculate, but Joel Embiid potentially missing an extended period of time with this injury. What if that cements Philadelphia into that four-five matchup? What if this difficulty of schedule for the Bucks coupled with what we're seeing? for the Cavaliers that they have left and to a lesser extent, the Knicks and this recent spark in their play. What if that slides the Bucks down to the four line and you have a four five matchup of the Bucks versus the 76ers where Joel Embiid may just be coming back from injury and, and may be getting back into the swing of things. And then you have to go through that and Boston. And then who knows whoever wins on the other end of the bracket, that would be your path to the finals. Again, a lot has to happen between now and then. But it's not something you can rule out given the way that the Celtics, uh, the Knicks, the Cavs have been playing versus the way the Bucs and the uh, 76ers have looked of late. So incredibly difficult in front of the Bucs. And I mentioned um, where they lost some ground. We didn't really give a whole lot of those numbers. Eight and eight record for the Bucs, 11th in offensive efficiency is just not going to be good enough with a defense that still is not anywhere near elite, but even more problematic. The defense slid down to 22nd in the month of January, and there wasn't a whole lot of separation between teams like the Bucs, the Blazers, the Lakers, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Raptors. That gets you down to 26. So all of a sudden, you're knocking on the door of one of the five worst defenses in the league in that month. And and the Bucs finished with basically a flat net rating as well. What stood out the most is we saw three extremely Good teams in January. The Knicks, the Cavs, and the Clippers, who all had net ratings in the double digits. Knicks and Cavs, especially. 15.8 for the Knicks, 15.1 for the Cavaliers. Those three teams were the story of the month of January. And then struggles from teams like the Bucks, the Sixers, and even the Dallas Mavericks, who, as we talk about what's in front of the Bucks, that's what's up next. And I suppose the good news for the Bucks, while this is a very difficult stretch of scheduling, the Mavericks have been going through a lot of the same that the Bucs have been going through here in uh, recent games. So we'll get to that in terms of what is left for the Bucks on this road trip, how you can salvage what has been a tough stretch of play. And I mentioned as well, the latest trade chatter is there was one interesting name. I don't think people would be surprised to hear it mentioned, but one interesting name that came up from Jake Fisher in one of his more recent reports. We will get to that coming up after the break in Locked Well, Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and they are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it is just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, pros, and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football at least for not one more week and basketball from the specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if you wanted uh, Giannis blocks and Travis Kelsey touchdown catches and set that number at the five and a half, you could do that if you want to play alongside some of prize picks' favorite players, like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can find community plays under the pros tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. And prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars PrizePicks.com slash locked on NBA. And again, use the code LockedOnNBA. You'll get a first deposit match up to $100. All right, so Dallas Mavericks are what the Bucks have up next. And Doc Rivers talked about this when he took over. You only have three days on the calendar left, is, is what he estimated, where you can get into practice. And it, it's difficult to do that on the road, as obviously you can't utilize the Sports Science Center in Milwaukee. You're going to go through walkthroughs. And, and basically, what this means is shoot arounds essentially become a, a practice light for the Bucs moving forward. That's the spot that they're going to be in. You've had two of those days now leading up to this matchup with the Mavericks. So I would imagine there's been a lot of that, maybe not a lot of install. As Doc had said, you know, one of the things that struck him is a lot of the things that he saw from the couch, it's what he's seeing on the court that he thought, okay. This is what I'm picking up on. Oh, that seems to be the case. So that's the good news is, is I know where to start and what to attack. But also mentioned again, why why I go back to saying this is going to take some time is he's not downloading a whole lot here. Dave Yeager is, is, is basically your offensive coordinator. If we want to lean into Super Bowl week coming up here and, and take some football vernacular, Dave Yeager is basically your offensive coordinator. He's spotting the things and figuring out how do we utilize Dame Lillard? How do we get this offense back uh, to where it's been largely this season and not where we saw them in January? And you have Rex Kalamian, who's going to be doing the same defensively. But as Doc said, they're running a lot of the same sets that they did under Bud. They just kind of changed what they refer to it as. They changed the verbiage. We're going to start to softly sprinkle in some of our stuff, but I don't want to overwhelm the guys. Like I got to learn them and learn what works for them and then figure out, what can I install and, and what should we change here? So that's what we mean when we say it, it's, it's going to take some time and it's going to be a bit of a process. But unfortunately, time is not on your side, at least this week with the schedule that's in front of the books. So you go to Dallas to take on the Mavericks. And uh, Dallas had been playing games of late without Luka Doncic and uh, Kyrie Irving. I mentioned the struggles that the Dallas Mavericks had been going through as well in the month of January. As a Dallas went seven and eight, they had a defensive rating in January of 120.4, 27th in the league. They had an offensive rating of 116.3, basically two points per 100 possessions worse than the Bucs. And that was 14th in the league. So it's a very, very rough stretch uh, that Dallas has been going through but you're going to be getting the Mavs best. And, that, and look, we've we've had this conversation for a couple of years now. You're going to be getting every team's best at this point when you're the Bucs, when you have Giannis, when you have Damian Lillard uh, on the floor. There's still no injury report submitted for either of these two teams as of yet. We'll see the first one a couple of hours from now, um, but going to be interesting to see that duo, what the Mavs availability is in this game. And look, we've seen this Bucks team thrive in some difficult spots in the past you go back to the way that they played in denver against the nuggets to start this road trip if you can bottle that and figure out how do we keep doing that how do we how do we get back to that where as doc Rivers said he thought the half court defense was was very good uh, against the denver nuggets on monday night now the numbers may not back that up it was basically okay i i believe the nuggets performed somewhere in the 80th percentile But for comparison's sake and what we'd seen half-court defensively, it was much better. It was transition that was an issue. And in both of these games now, we've seen turnovers start to become an issue. So that's an area that you especially cannot afford if you're the Bucs. When you're struggling on the defensive end, you cannot give the opponent any types of advantages like that. So cleaning those things up is going to go a long way. And we've kind of said from the start, too, I think – some of these are much bigger lifts, heavier lifts than the others. But if you had to circle three things really for the Bucs in this coaching change and what do we have to do differently to get better and get going in the position that we need to be in, you got to get better on the boards. And they've done that, and they really started to do that even before this coaching change was made. They've been much, much better. Offensive rebounding has been better as well, but they've gotten back into the top five of late with their defensive rebounding, which they were one or two every single year under Mike Budenholzer. So they've gotten better there. But what remains, transition defense. you got to clean that up. And look, if you do clean that up and even just get back to league average in the way that you defend in transition, that's going to boost your overall defense quite a bit, especially when Doc says, you know, I liked what I saw in the half court. And, And you have guys, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Giannis, you trust them defensively. Chris Middleton, I thought, looked very good defensively against the Portland Trailblazers as well. So you have those staples that you trust. Just clean up the transition portion, and we'll be closer to that 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in that range, defensive rating. The other one that's that's probably a heavier lift because it involves so much is, how do we maximize Damian Lillard? How do we get Damian Lillard going here? And look, if you've heard Doc Rivers in any of his media appearances, I think everybody will point to the Bill Simmons podcast and his appearances there. You know that's clearly top of mind with Doc Rivers when he's talked about Damian Lillard essentially just fitting in here and telling him, look, you don't need to fit in. We need to to figure out how we fit around you. And and you can tell that's one of the impetuses here for Doc is how do we get Damian Lillard going? Does that mean get the ball in his hands more? It doesn't mean... Giannis never brings the ball up the floor. Giannis is an initiator. His his playmaking is is clearly continuing to take steps forward. But Damian Lillard is such a rhythm player that he does need some more of those touches. He does need to get the ball back after he gives it up. I think everybody's going to point to that final shot against the Blazers as one of those examples. But figuring out those ways of how do we get him into rhythm more? How do we get him some looks earlier in the game? And, and, you know, the million-dollar question, how do we maximize this Giannis and Damian Lillard pairing, whether it's more pick and rolls, whatever it is, any types of action that you can run. Because look, there's a lot that's going on with Damian Lillard away from the basketball floor as well. But as we mentioned, you know, the offense took a big step backward in the month of January. It's not coincidental. Damian Lillard shot 39% from the field and only 28% on threes in 15 games in January. The most games he played. With the Bucks so far in a month came in January and it was his least efficient month. So when that's the case, your offense is going to take a step backward. And if your offense is not performing at that elite level, you're going to be in trouble. And that's what we saw in the month of January. So as much as we focus on you got to improve the defense and and, and you got to get better in transition and all these other things, those are all true. You got to get Damian Lillard going because that's the way that this team is built, is an offensive team. With Dame and Giannis leading the attack. You didn't have it in January, and you saw the results of an eight and eight month where you lost a lot of ground to those teams in front of you and um, two teams that are coming up on you as well. So that is the biggest challenge for Doc Rivers as we come into this month of February. And again, a brutal stretch of scheduling. The Mavs on Saturday night, tomorrow night, um, the Utah Jazz on Sunday. So a back to back. You got a couple of those coming up in the next few weeks. And then you wrap things up with the Phoenix Suns, who I mentioned are playing much, much better of late as as things are starting to fall into place for their stars in that trio of uh, Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and uh, Kevin Durant. I don't know why I mentioned Bradley Beal first. He would not be first in in terms of the star power for those teams. But Phoenix up the sixth in the Western Conference. They've won eight of their last ten. So things are going good for the Phoenix Suns. That's going to be very, very challenging. And, oh, by the way, it's not just the road trip. It's it's as soon as you get off, you have a back-to-back, and the first of those games is against the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. So a very, very tough stretch in front for the Bucs. Camille and I do plan on doing, we don't know the details yet, but some special shows the day of the trade deadline for some instant reaction to what the Bucs do. If there are any moves made prior to that, we will uh, break those down as well as they happen. But as of this moment, we're planning on doing a trade deadline show or shows depending on what develops throughout the day and uh, not just the Bucks, but other moves that we see made in the Eastern Conference as well and what that means for the Bucs. So we will be doing that next Thursday with the trade deadline in the early afternoon. So stay on the lookout for that, and we'll make those live shows as well. But I mention this because in his latest reporting, a name that a lot of people had kind of circled back to as, man, it wouldn't be great if we could see this pulled off for Bucks fans. Jake Fisher mentioned the Bucks and the Lakers, two teams very interested in Marcus Smart of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I mentioned this because the move you saw the Memphis Grizzlies make the other day, trading Steven Adams for Victor Oladipo and essentially waving the white flag is I don't think Victor Oladipo is going to play this year. Neither is Steven Adams but there was more financial implications to that move. Victor Oladipo is a free agent. It frees up some money for the uh, Grizzlies. It's a clear sign that Memphis knows let's just continue to bottom out this year. Um, Steven Adams wasn't going to play. They still haven't had Brandon Clark back. John Morant is done for the season as well. Let's just keep bottoming out here. Marcus Smart's still on the shelf with that injury, by the way, continue to lose, get a good draft pick free up some cap space in the summer. And we feel like we'll be rolling next year with some moves to be made in terms of our finances and a lottery pick. So, so with that, does it open the door for Memphis to say, you know, let's see what we can get from Marcus smart as well. According to Jake Fisher, it sounds like that is the latest. That is going to be difficult. I'll preface with this. That's going to be difficult to put together, um, for the Bucks, when you look at the finances here, because Marcus Smart, um, what he's making, eighteen million dollars, so you certainly have contracts to match that. If you're the Bucks, the issue is everything we just talked about with the Grizzlies, playing for next year and the future. Who are the players the Bucks have that would fit into that and match that salary? So I understand. The inclination to rush to Marcus Smart would be great, and he would. But how does it work in just a two-way deal? It, it it on paper seems like it would have to be part of a larger trade, three team or more. And as Brian Windhorst often says, if you have a have to get a third team for a trade, you usually don't have a trade. I do expect the Bucks to be active at the deadline. Um, a number of teams to be very active at this deadline because, as we just mentioned. If for no other reason than I guess the big one for teams like the Bucks in the second apron is things change massively and drastically for you this summer with uh, that second apron and those handcuffs being placed on you in terms of aggregating salaries, um, freezing draft picks, everything else that you're not going to be able to do moving forward. You can already see the first implications here with buyouts. People mentioned, well, what if Kyle Lowry gets bought out? Bucks would not be eligible to sign Kyle Lowry. Any team in that second apron is not. So you're seeing some minor parts of it this year. The big stuff is going to come in the summer. So there's that aspect that I think is going to lead to more activity now. But also, again, two through five in the East is separated by one game right now. And these are all teams that think, look, I know the Celtics right now, there's a chance the Celtics win the Eastern Conference by eight games. I know on paper the Celtics are the best team. Anything can happen in the best of seven series. We think like we're close with them. We'll take our chances. And and you have so many teams that are bunched up there that feel like we are legit title favorites. Same in the West. One through three is separated by two games. One through four is separated by two games, I should say. So there's a lot of teams that are saying we feel like we're a contender. And I think that's going to lead to a very, very busy trade deadline. Again, trade deadline show. We're going to do at least one of them the day of the trade deadline. Depending on what else happens, there may be multiple shows that Camille and I and who knows who else we can rope in um, on those shows. We'll see if we can get Frank, the cap expert, and a few others to join us on those. But we do plan on doing those live shows the day of the trade deadline to break down everything as it happens. And I believe Sunday as well, Camille and I are going to do another Sunday live show in the a.m. To recap the game in Dallas, take a look ahead as well in that uh, matchup in Utah against the jazz. So check back for that, but it is a big, big week and a big stretch of bucks basketball coming up here with the difficult games on the road that remain. And of course the trade deadline now, less than a week away. So a lot that we will continue to pour over here in the coming week on locked on bucks. Thanks for joining us today. We will be back uh, again, I believe this weekend, but uh, if not, we will certainly be back with a recap from the weekend on Monday Ah, uh, recapping that game against the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks on the latest Locked On Bucks.